Listening to Town, broadcast from beneath the Balboa Building in Santa Barbara, California. I am your host for these town conversations, Patrick Melroy. This show is powered by Pullstring Press, and on behalf of my collaborator Raymond Douglas, uh, as always, thank you for listening and subscribing. Pullstring is responsible for hundreds of hours of recorded content in over a dozen different podcast shows. We hope some of them have made it into your favorite list. On today's special episode. We have a group of guests who are celebrating 25 years of creative service to audiences around the world. It's my pleasure to welcome uh, some of the current, 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 current and, alum- and former alumni uh, of Box Tales Theater Company. Box Tales is an award-winning touring company based in Santa Barbara, California, where this podcast is also. Since 1994, Box Tales has been entertaining and educating, creating many original works of theater pulled from world of myths and folklore. And we'll get into all of that in just a moment. Uh, but for right now, let me allow the listeners to hear each of the each of your voices so that they can kind of uh, attach a, a tag to each of them. So studio left, I have... Joe Velasco, founding member. Yeah. Michael Katz. Jeff Mills. Matthew Tavanini. Michael Andrews. Oh, outstanding. I'm so excited for uh, all of you guys to come in. Joe is the one who uh, set this up with us, and so thank you for taking time out of your schedules uh, to come down. Are you all still in town? Not all of you are still in town. No, I, I'm. Uh, this is Jeff. I'm in Chicago now. Yeah. Yeah. Not right now. You're in the studio. I'm in the studio <laughs> in Santa Barbara. I'm skyping in. Skyping in. We, we, we have the <laughs> technology. hologram. We have the technology. Yeah. Box tales. So box tales for those. Some of you have seen them uh, at perhaps at, uh, at a school assembly. Others have seen them at uh, all of the different theaters uh, in our region for sure. Um, tell me about. What what's the boilerplate of, of Box Tales as a theater company right now? How does it exist as we as we find it now? Um, we're still performing on the road about I'm told 150 shows a year still to this day. Yeah. So um, that that takes place in school assemblies, as you said, all over Southern California and Northern California, and um, then in different states we do uh, tours to larger theaters. So we'll do bust-in school shows um, during the school year at larger theaters throughout the western states. And um, then we have educational programs. And so we do residencies in schools locally. And uh, they're usually like a 12-week residency. Where you'll go set up, the, the, the performers from Box Tales will come and, and be there on, on campus? It's usually either Matt Tavanini or myself who um, who lead these workshops in the schools. And um, it's a little bit different. It, it gives us a, an opportunity. Like we, we, we design our shows, our performances, to be like um, kind of a deep impact, like, like a horse pill. Like we come mm. and we perform and, and you'll be processing that information for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, and because because we, we start with really deep stories and then the way we do it is, is innovative enough to, to kind of open up your creative mind and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But but with the with the residencies, you get to kind of work with these kids directly and you get to do it over 12 weeks. They become the performers? Well, they do. They yeah. become the performers. So, But it's, it's, it's sort of... Um, a bit of teaching performance skills hmm. it's a bit of mentoring and and sort of exposing them to ideas and a lot of kind of social emotional training um, that that theater is uniquely positioned to do you know like for instance a lot of people are talking about empathy these days mm-hmm. and um, the need for that in our culture and and uh, just turns out that acting training is the one most important and easy way to, to build and create empathy because the first thing you have to do is figure out 
everything you can to make a good character on stage, everything you can about someone or something that you are not. That's empathy. <laughs> it's just straight up, right? So, so, um, so, yeah, we use it for those things as well just because we need that so much. I'm so attracted to the idea of that. I, as you say that, I remember the programming I saw in junior high. I remember the programming I saw and, and, and how it did permanently etch itself yeah. inside of my, my concept of right and wrong, good and bad. That's right. Um, and, then, and, then we're, and then we do uh, summer, we do summer um, intensives for three weeks, both with, um, you know, we have a youth camp mm -hmm. at the, at the uh, Marjorie Luke Theater. For three weeks, and we have a high school camp now. That's our latest, wow. our latest thing. So we're doing high school kids too. Take me back 25 years. It's 1994, and you're setting up a. Uh, you're 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 looking at the opportunities in the world, or, or what the world is missing. What's with the hole in the world, and uh, how does Box Tales form? How does it how does it emerge into the world? In a cauldron of darkness. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Now, I, I went to UC Santa Barbara, as did um, four of us, actually, went to UC Santa Barbara. But I had been working um, with a Chicano Theater Company, Theatre Campesino. I was interested in physical theater and mask work. And I happened to have already met Michael Katz as a storyteller uh, on a project called Una Pastorella. We'd worked on that before. And I saw him, and I, and I was really intrigued by the idea of storytelling, and I, I went to him, and I had this book called In the Beginning by Virginia Hamilton, which was an amazing book. Um, and that idea was basically over coffee, like, hey, I'd like to work with you. Um, I have this idea. There's these stories, creation stories from around the world. And we went to Libero, and they gave us a little bit of funding, and we started. And I think it was our first rehearsal that yeah. we figured... We need some music. We need music. <laughs> well, it was, uh, you know, it, it, we were young performing artists and uh, also aware that we needed to survive. Yeah. And it was one of those wonderful situations of uh, we could make more money if it's just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> but the product would be so much better, so much better, just leaps and bounds with music. Live music and and fortunately, and I had just come across Michael Andrews. And are you going to tell that story? How you came across him? Yeah, well, people ask how we got together, and and Michael or Joseph, I can't remember where this origin myth of its own came <laughs> up, but they said that they were at a, a, a an all night drumming and dancing party at the I, beach. Yeah, I was just saying they were walking back. They were walking back on the beach, and there was this sort of undulating mass of kelp. It was like a kelp. Uh, sort of mountain on the on the beach that, that had washed up, and that they, because it was moving, they went and they 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 started to peel back some of the kelp, and there I was, and so that was it. That's my origin. That story. was it. It's, that was it. I, I'm so glad this was the beach you chose to uh, wash up <laughs> on. <laughs> I don't know if it was even washing up. I think it was just appearing. Yeah, just, yeah. just out, there, out of the void. Yeah. Tell me, well, tell me about '94 in Santa Barbara. Like, what was the atmosphere yeah. like? Was this a place where this was a hotbed for theater creation was this a, was it this was in some ways not necessarily theater as you might think of it uh, alternative alternative arts there was a place called the green dragon at the mm. time where many artists and dare i say pseudo art artists hung out <laughs> people who thought in because to, to be an artist to identify as an artist you don't actually have to make art mm-hmm Lots and lots of people. People are doing that. Identify as artists <laughs> because lifestyle money it is too. its yeah. own <laughs> art form in a way, and so you had all of these types of people at the Green Dragon, and um, 
I think there were there was a zeitgeist. There was a there was a certain amount of um, free floating ideas about how to create and change uh, our world through art, and and uh, certainly some of those ideas ended up in a concrete way in box tales. There were, there were a bunch of ideas. I mean, I think I think a bunch of the philosophies that grew in box tales. I mean, we were actually taking steps and collaborating, like, but but collaboration itself was an idea that people were thinking about a lot, and we were thinking about a lot. And then there's a difference between your your thought about collaboration and then doing it. And mm. we learned, we learned so much about about how to, you know, share ideas, but then also to be humble and to find that we found ultimately that the creation that we could make by not taking ownership, for instance, hmm. this selfless act of just wanting to be there when the magic happened, you know, and, and each of us would sort of just throw out ideas, and then by the end, it was really hard to say, well, that was my idea. You know, it wasn't so much about that. It was about that we were bigger together. And that is, like a, I think, a big takeaway that I learned in the beginning with these gentlemen, you know, about collaboration. Were you guys a band? Well, <laughs> it's funny that you say that, because I was thinking, I, I used to manage rock bands, and, and I really loved the live music scene back in 94 and that whole era. And, yeah. and I think for me, growing up going to concerts all the time like i i love live performance you know and as much as i love going to film and then watching television shows there's nothing beats going to a live concert whether it's music or theater or ballet whatever seeing somebody do their craft well live is a is an amazing gift and and i think that's why i was so taken by the idea of of let's do this live and and even now when we, um i think you guys still do this in the theaters um the lights are on because we want to see the audience you the house lights. You turn yeah. up the house lights. Yeah, because we want to see that that that's really important to what we do as storytellers to make that eye contact. As as you're building a story, as as you guys cr look to and reach for stories in 1994, what are those stories? As every emerging generation that comes up, every new group of audience that you're going to need to tell a story to, how are you picking new? I don't want to say new material, but like because none of the material sounds new. It all sounds like ancient mm -hmm. knowledge that's coming back forward. Mm. How are you taking the temperature of the world around you and then building stories for, for the audience that we have now or maybe the audience that's about to arrive? You know, since um, I, uh, I got my beginning doing a, a storytelling radio show that was on for about 30 years um, at, on KCSB and out in the KCBX. Cat's pajamas. And um, mm -hmm. it, um, I had to find a lot of material. And I, I got in contact with professional storytellers pretty much around the world, but mostly around the United States. And so, so, so searching for stories was a big thing for me. And um, the library's always been, you know, we used to laugh about it at the end of the shows. We'd say, you know, go to the 398 and 398.2 section of the library where folk tales are. Oh, awesome. And, but that, it was the truth. That's where we were drawing so mm. much of our uh, folklore and mythology. Uh, you know, if you weren't into Joseph Campbell and other things, which is, you know, the, the huge, uh, more sophisticated level of, of, of looking at mythology. But these, these basic stories are so powerful in themselves. And uh, so pretty much, we, as I remember, we would just pr come with some stories and see if they resonated for us and, yeah. and see if they resonated for the times. But I think more uh, resonate for ourselves because if it doesn't resonate for you, but it resonates for the time, the, the telling, in my opinion, won't be, uh, won't be convincing. It's inauthentic. Yeah, yeah it's how inauthentic. Did, Jeff, how did you arrive to Box Tales? 
Um, I was at a, a, I was away. I had moved, uh, I graduated from UCSB in 90 and kind of moved away for a while. And I didn't come into Boxtails until about 98 or 2000. Um, and, uh, I kept coming back to visit Something was drawing you back. And the something was drawing me back. We were right? part of community. And we were a big community. You know, we already. were a community of friends already. Yeah. And, um, and I was just so, uh, had so much admiration for what these guys were, were up to every time I would just catch a little glimpse and maybe a little party where we would be talking to each other about it. And, um, and, but, you know, I think that there was one thing, a couple things I want to say. Uh, one was about uh, our one of our teachers, James Donnellan, mm. who uh, was a tremendous for creative force, and sometimes an underground creative force in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. where he was responsible for the artistic vision and training of so many people that left that program in in the theater department at at, at Santa Barbara, who have gone to all kinds of places across the country, across the world, um, who have this vision of a of a theater that is that is alive, and mutable, transformative. Um, and full of story, full of zaniness, full of illusion. Um, whoops. <laughs> and uh, movement artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he uh, he was a, he was really inspirational for one big part of 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 what Boxtails was up to. Can I add to that? I yeah. Th- I mean, it's actually direct because when I was struggling in '93, '94, I'd been going down to Hollywood to. Um, audition and I was really frustrated and I had been trying to figure out should I move to LA should I move to New York and looking for because everybody says you need to go to a market that can hold yeah. that has more opportunity and uh, he looked at me one day and he just said well just do it I did just start your own theater <laughs> and I, I remember just being so stunned by that like I could do that revolutionary like, yeah, idea just yeah. start and I go, how do I do that? He goes, I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. Just go. And that was, th- for him to have that confidence in me to actually say that, like, um, allowed me to, yeah, permission yeah. to say, yeah, let, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's we figure had, this out. We had the tools. Yeah. We knew, and it wasn't sort of a method as much of it as it was sort of a really yeah. deep knowledge of the principles. Mm. And how do we re- rearrange and continue to rearrange and continue to work with the principles of great theater? Mm. And... And we knew that, even though we didn't have the confidence or the experience necessarily to. And then you just jump in. And I tell my students this every day. I said, you know, you can wait around for the phone to ring for that yeah. job. Mm, yeah. Or you can, you know, bust a move and get your, get your own you company. You can prostrate yourself in yeah. front of every opportunity that will be humiliating. That's another part of it. Mm. Or you can create. Which is also a rite of passage that you kind of yeah, have to go yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, you I hear know, you. So there's a balance. I say, you know, create your own company just like James would. And I, we, I got that ethos as well from him. Are they doing that? Students? Yeah. Absolutely. They are doing that. Absolutely. They're taking hold of, of, oh, of, yeah. of that advice and going with it. All over the place. That's great. Yeah, really cool. And then another thing I wanted to say was what, about the time and how the, the world events, uh, the timing of things seep into the work. I just remember when we were making uh, Waters of the Earth in 2001. That was our, um, our uh, show that we were creating at that time at, in September. With James, I was Donald just going to say. I was going to say pre or post. It was during. It was during. During because 
Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the day I, I maybe we were uh, like in week two of rehearsal. Have rehearsals for that show for with that James show, Donlan with James. In the studio at UCSB. He was directing us. Yeah. We were at UCSB in the old stomping grounds, and that morning I remember going to get a cup of coffee on the way in and just seeing the news of you know the World Trade Center, and it could i mean i think it did debilitate our ability <laughs> to it sucked all the it air. sucked all the energy yeah. out of yeah. of for a moment for yeah. a moment yeah. because we had to i just remember those days where we would just stop yeah. mm. and and james was was like we don't have to push it yeah yeah we don't have to force ourselves so we had days where we would just talk which was we talked brilliant <laughs> it was brilliant yeah. mm-hmm. and and but then eventually after a while we got on the horse mm-hmm. and we created i we created a, a really magical piece of theater mm-hmm. that did not directly address what happened right but it was there because we were vibrating with it and it directly entered the work That's and right. i think it spoke in a in a calming way and a healing way and an unflinching way to what everybody was going through the kids mm-hmm. what uh, invariably they were experiencing at the time yeah i mean imagine i was i was there and i not not i was i was there in 2001 watching um i, I mean i was awake and alive in 2001 <laughs> i wasn't in new york um but but that idea of how do we process this yeah. as a, com- a community as a culture and yeah. and then watching anything around you if that culture that you were then watching the music the television whatever wasn't was ignoring what what had just happened to all of us because it felt like it happened to all of us it would feel so tone deaf so and i also imagine as being being a creative when this kind of tragedy strikes when when any not uh, that was not a kind of tragedy there was nothing like that but um when tragedy strikes we start we have a vehicle to process and we start using that vehicle to process we were lucky and privileged to be in the middle of a process already that gave us an opportunity to 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 work it out is that is that still happening is boxtail still um I don't know, being pl- not pliable, but like responsive to to the dynamics of the world around, especially with active shooters coming into schools and stuff like this. Absolutely, you can't not you can't you can't not be. <laughs> As artists, I don't know if it's special to artists. I mean, I think I think we're like nematodes in a, a petri dish. You know, like we all respond to each other all of the time emotionally. It's how human beings are. But certainly, as artists, and with the training that we've gotten, we've just become these these animals that that's what we do uh, we could do no other thing you couldn't you couldn't ignore the world everything is a response how we, do you take we could try it, to ignore it but it, it can't be ignored and, and, <laughs> right. and, and it's interesting too because it's, it's we're both uh box is both a creative entity and it's a performing entity and when you're performing so you may be okay the stories are set with box deals, the stories are set you do a show the stories are set you can't say oh this thing's happened let's do this other story Mm, but mm -hmm. then you look at what am i saying Mm -hmm. you know my responsibility for what what is it i'm saying and how am i saying it? yeah and how am i saying Mm -hmm. it and then also the in-between there's a lot of it where we interact with the students we're looking like joseph was saying the lights are on we see the students and um because it's responsive Mm -hmm. uh and because it's alive 
uh, it's informed by what's going on too. Tell me about the audiences throughout the years. Tell me about the ones that 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 went well. Maybe the ones that didn't go well. Find find one in your mind about a time when an audience. Uh, or an audience member, somebody reported back to you, or somebody responded in a, in a unique way. Hmm. Uh, one I was thinking about before, just, just if I may, uh, it was actually a painful experience, but um, uh, bonding. Um, we were at a, um, a school, and uh, the kids were loving the performance, absolutely loving it, and laughing and laughing and laughing, and the teachers were going, Shh. Oh, they were trying to stun me them. But yeah. endlessly. Endlessly to their laughter. Yeah. Huh. And I remember we were backstage between shows because we'll do lower grade assemblies and then upper grades. And we were pretty much on the verge of tears, huh. the, the pain we felt. Because um, uh, these kids were alive. And, yeah, what a they gift. They were responsive. What, what, what a gift yeah. to bring laughter. A lot of times people say, you know, what stories are you doing? What's the content? You know, and for me, it's like <laughs> we're bringing laughter and right. joy. Right. And also my big push, you know, we're creating a, a, a listening audience, an audience that listens with, with uh, respect, which includes laughter. And engagement. And engagement. Deep, yeah. And so it, it was painful for us. And I guess I felt um, what I appreciated was the bond we all had, the three of us, that we all felt. We were all as one. You know, yeah. we, we felt that 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 uh, sadness. No, nobody said that was okay. <laughs> nobody walked back and said, "Oh well, I'm so glad that teacher totally stifled the experience <laughs> for everyone." And, well, it's uh, it's such an interesting. I mean, I think we were all, we were always gauging like and and recording for ourselves in it's kind of a scientific way, you know, how that went, how the audiences were, and I think yeah. we we eventually came across this idea that there were, you know, there was the audiences that were very, um, they were kind of dead. Right and, and non-responsive, and then there are the audiences that were out of control, mm. and that wasn't ha that didn't happen very often. But they out were of control, bad, like they couldn't out of hear control, the, they bad, couldn't hear like the or they, even they were good, not... but so much so yeah. that they're they're missing the engagement part. Like yeah. they, they're not actually hearing the whole story, right? And it's nuanced, and they're missing stuff because they're they're laughing too much, out of control. Yeah, and then there's the one in the middle that is the sweet spot where yeah. they are engaged, they're alive, they're responding, they're making noise. The a culture of the school is okay with it, mm -hmm. and we found that it usually kind of the tone of the place kind of comes from the top mm -hmm. like you meet you go in the office you meet the principal and you can see who how that principal runs that culture yep. and you and we got to the point where we could predict what kind of audience we were going to get based on the first meeting yep. of the principal or the janitor or whoever it was that was Wait, tell, did any of them ever get in the way did any of them ever just like would like the principal administration, did somebody else like say, okay, you can't do this? Were they holding you back ever? I always worry about that because um, we're, Matt and I are so busy marketing the thing. And um, I always feel like, honestly, I, I don't know if I should say this out loud, but but like if they knew going in the kind of material that we were going <laughs> to do, they would not hire us. Yes. And and there's sort of this dance around because because we first of all, and you know, this goes back to Michael and Joe, we based our philosophy about this work on the understanding and the belief in deep respect for the innate intelligence of children mm. which when you look around at children's programming you get it that they we're alone like almost almost no no material that's presented to children really 
gives them that much respect as you much guys as we would. You're not doing Baby Shark, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. No, okay. Exactly. We hit them with the big guns, and 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 if you told them exactly what was going to yes. happen, that the 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 parents, the teachers, the administrators, the principals, exactly what the content of the material was, they go, "Oh, I don't think that's appropriate." Yeah, they have preconceptions. And, and yet, and yet, w- once you're in, yep, and you perform the thing, and the response is what it is, they're raving mad about you. You know, like of course, this you, is exactly what we should all be doing. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we ever got a comment afterwards. Never. But up front, there was one story that no, we did one, and we were surprised. One story, and uh, which story it's was happened. it, Michael? It, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was uh, 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 Wicked John. Oh, didn't we get one for um, uh, Anansi one time? Yes. With the God, with yes, the Yes, that's sun. right. Oh, oh that's right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's usually questions of faith, you know, yeah. and, and, and they come in. But uh, if we told them what the, 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 the Popol Vuh, you know, the hero twin story from, from Mexico, I mean, it's, if we told them up front. Oh, Which yeah, is a living a, Bible of the Kishimaya right. people. Right, but if we said it and explained it all in detail, they, uh, I don't know. But we never got a complaint about it. And yeah, that yeah. one has the most radical yeah. things in yeah. it. Yeah. I think there's a story that always in my memory just was the one that I was worried about probably the most was the story of strength you know yeah, because that uh, yeah. story is like a really powerful story uh, a West African story and in the story we get a lot of audience participation there's a lot of laughter and at the end of the story there's a death hmm. an elephant dies and I remember and, and it's a big energy story with mask and drumming and, and it's one of those stories that is just so powerful and I remember being really nervous when we performed in Oakland at an African-American school that it had some issues with violence in the community and I remember two things one was when we said our next story is from West Africa this primarily African-American audience of, of kids just went crazy like yeah just like a rock star we were like Motley Crue out there <laughs> for a brief shining moment um, and then we told the story and uh Michael Katz was the primary storyteller. Michael Andrews was drumming. I was doing the mask and movement. And at the end, when Elephant dies, there was a hush in the room. And at the end, I do remember there was this moment where, you know, they clapped and so forth, and it was very respectful. But I remember the principal and other teachers coming up to us and say, thank you so much for telling that story. Yeah, you know, and thank, and I was really nervous cause because none of us are African American. Yeah, well, you know? there's that, <laughs> and then and yeah. also just making sure that we were honoring the culture, and it, that's when it hit me like, oh, this is really deep work. This is beyond me. This is beyond us. Is there so that that opens uh, a, a wonderful door that I know that you guys have covered a lot, but um, is it because you're not appropriating these stories as much as carrying them forward or what what is the what is the answer forward for saying why is it okay for you to tell an african story without coming from that specific culture this is always in our minds yeah and we always have to readdress it cultural appropriation is a thing and you have to you have to dance around it quite a bit because um and i think what the answer is and i and i hope i'm you know, not giving this too light a treatment, but it, it it's about um, respect, and and we keep getting feedback from indigenous people from like in the Pacific Northwest, going up there and doing raven stories, for instance. And you're like, wow, is this okay? Because they're they're in, you know they're natives in the crowd, and they're teach they're the teachers and they're the you know they're in there, and you get all this feedback saying it is. You have to be careful every single time you make a decision. You still have to be careful. And, and, you, and is that is part of that carefulness a response to and listening? 
It's all about listening. Right. You got that straight. Yeah, because I've been I've been approached by um, or in dialogue with Shumash people who say, nope, we got our own tellers. Hmm. But they're answering the question, look, you know, sh- should I, I'm asking them, should I, am I okay to tell this story? Out of respect, I ask, right, an elder. And the elder says, no, actually, um, we have our own tellers. And, and I, th- I think that has to do with the professional aspect of it. We're going to get hired to go tell this story. Hmm. And no, we'd rather see one of our own go out there and do it. Uh, the vast majority of Native peoples in America, in North America, I can just speak for North America, which is big enough, um, they're saying what I'm hearing from them is that uh, there's been a change recently where they want their stories told. Period. Hmm. They want their stories out there, and so that's so that's been that's been great. And we haven't really waded into that too awfully much. But um, same thing. I, I feel so so fortunate to be able to tell the Popovu, for instance. You know, like here is arguably one of the most important pieces of Latin American um, literature, and nobody knows it. Hmm. You know, so so it feels really good to be able to give that gift. What's the Dewey Decimal again? That would be the three ninety eight section, I think, because mm-hmm. that's the mythology section. That's, yeah. My mother was a librarian for several nice. years, so she'll appreciate that part yeah. of the show. She she will be she'll be shouting into her yeah. iPhone. On that, you know, you're always going to upset someone. Uh, when you're telling a, a story that's not a part of your culture, even if you're telling a story within your own culture, you could upset people. Yeah. Um, um, so I think that's always it's always going to happen. I, I think one thing um, I would often ask someone of the culture that I was telling the story um, what their feelings were. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, uh, I, we always made a point of saying, we love stories from around the world. We enjoy these. We heard this story. So never saying that we are... That you're not the authors. No, no. And you're identifying that up front. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, part of our mission, even, is is in in this idea that they get to see, um, and 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 you know, we have some ethnicity in the group. I mean, in, in total, we're sixty percent ethnic. You know, Matt and I are the waspy ones, mm-hmm. right? And but but as middle-aged white men, you know, especially being the artistic designers of this material and carrying forth the philosophies that, that build this material. Um, we have to be, we have to be really careful, but, 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 but at the same time, I love that I'm this old, old fat clown, white guy who goes into <laughs> schools and, and what I'm teaching and what I'm exampling to all these kids is curiosity hmm. about people whose ways might be new and different to you, but might shed light on your own life. You know, this idea, and we say things like that in the shows, you know, where that, that's the takeaway. The takeaway is that, yes, this is not my story. The whole point is I'm listening. Hmm. I'm paying attention, and I'm asking you about your stories and your heritage and you about yours. And I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to learn from everybody, which is, that's the message we want to give, hmm. you know. Curiosity. 25 years of curiosity. I love it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a banner. I'm I'm printing that. Yeah, we we typically come up with two or three T-shirts uh, over the course yeah. of the show. Yeah. I've got it. I've got to hear from Harpo though. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's Matt? <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> hey, I could ask a pretty detailed question. Do you mind if I drive for a Would second? Would you step in? Yeah. Because because here's the thing. Back way back to another answer. Because Jeff was asked, you know, um, about his coming into the group. But the truth is, is that as um, it was, it was first Joseph who who moved on to greener pastures. 
He, he said box tills no more. I'm done with grad school. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, so I've always thought of that. He had, and he had a calling to, to become a teacher, you know, so he moved on there. But when he left, it was up to uh, Michael and I. And so we were like, okay, so what are we going to do, right? And so we, we, called on, we called on Jeff because, again, we, we knew that. Is did, that wrong? No, no, I'm asking. Did we or did you ask him? I asked him. You did? I called yeah, him. I, I had no idea. I don't remember. I, called I was really hoping that there was going to be a moment where you guys had different memories. No, that's yeah. that's wrong. Wait a minute. Uh, no, I, no. I, so, so, but the point I'm about was. to throw the stool. Yeah. The point was that, that, like, as back to James Donlan and tying all of that together, as there was attrition in, in the membership, we called on people with that vocabulary, with mm. that training, and we, we, we remembered Jeff and we mm. said, man, he'd be real strong to come in. We need somebody good you know let, let's get Jeff and then when Michael finally he went on a sabbatical to India and he came back and said you guys work way too hard <laughs> <laughs> and I could make so much more money just doing my own thing and I'm out I'm out I'm so sorry but really I'm not that sorry and I'm out and so but then we then we found that's his the longshoreman <laughs> Matt Tavanini who we also knew from back in the day in that community of artists and performers and had the Donlin training. So I give it, maybe maybe the question then is. Yeah, that was a lot of lead up without, without a question mark, <laughs> sorry. That, what was that like? What was that like for you, the beginning? Well, at the time, I mean, I was in Los Angeles and I was pursuing acting down there after having graduated from Santa Barbara. And, you know, I got in, you know, some theater shows and did some commercials, but it wasn't really fulfilling to me, hmm. and I could I could really read the writing on the wall that selling myself was not really in my vocabulary. Selling myself, hmm. which is what you need to do down, hmm. down You have the to line. be a small business of your own. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, the creativity of what I was always attracted to about theater was not was not happening. And so, hmm. I got a call from I think Michael saying, Michael Andrews saying, Michael Katz has taken a sabbatical. Would you like to come up for a year and work with box sales? And that was like a ticket out of <laughs> out of hell. <laughs> you know, I was like, "Yes, I'm. Chicken this out. is exactly what I want to do. I want to be creative with my theater training. I want to yeah. invent pieces." And so it was a perfect fit. It was, and I was ready to get out of LA. I'd been there, I don't know, four or five years. But you needed a, you needed a, an excuse. You needed somebody to 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 dra to dra to, to for. It's one of those moments where you're like, "I've been I've been hanging on far too long. I just need exactly." I need a, I, if I was still there, I'd probably be uh, on on the street right now. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a mechanic. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah, so that that was kind of the the impetus for me to come up and start working with. What him. did you? F okay. I was going to say one of the things that was really I was really happy was after Michael and I were both out of the company, and the three of you, Jeff, Matthew, and Michael Andrews, were were in the company. I remember bringing my sons to see a show. So sitting and in the to, audience. And to sitting in the audience yeah. in like the sixth row and. And they're watching, and their mouths are just agape at the awesomeness of the Ramayana, and, and you know you're bouncing around on that thing and the mask and, and music, and it's just amazing. And I look over, and my wife, my lovely wife, turns to my older son Akila, who must have been six or seven, and said, "You know, Daddy used to do this." And he looks at me and he goes, "No way." <laughs> 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 and it was one of those moments where I was both humbled and kind of pleased at the same time, like. Yeah. You know, because what we had created, the three of us in 94, was looking at that first show mm. 
<laughs> it was kind of rough. No, it wasn't. It was brilliant. Actually. Yeah, yeah. I, there were parts of it. I mean, were I'm the guy who can say I got the full spectrum. And I'm telling you, that stuff w- w- that you guys did in the company was brilliant. It was Thank just you. different. We've it grown, was different. We've yeah, grown and, a lot. And, and to see the evolution you know. of boxtails yeah. and uh, it, it was really, really pleasing. And, and so, yeah, my kids uh, later on saw some video. Was proof. Saw some photos. There was some proof. But yeah, that that look of just incredulousness. Like, no, no way. <laughs> You're not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, tell me about. Um, speaking of so that that constant transition. Like, um, still coming back and seeing it. What are you guys? What are you guys all doing in town now? What is this? What What is the five of you here? Um, mm. Is this just a, a coincidence reunion at, at, after 25 years, or, or <laughs> why are you? Why are you? Why are you hanging out again for a minute? <laughs> 25 years honoring that for one thing it's just a, th- a thing that when you we were we were gonna have a show yeah. honestly we were gonna try to have a show and and uh, we we're all just so busy yeah. that um, it got closer the date got closer and closer and the venue was a problem and finally we said yeah we're not gonna have a show we, we, we really had this last minute push tons of creativity that was beautiful guys mm-hmm. by the way um, of different venues that we could do outdoors super relaxed just throw it together stuff so we're gonna push for the 26th year yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. much more interesting in the end in the end Joe said well if we're not gonna do that at least we could do this and, and um, so but to the heart of the matter I would just say I'm feeling a lot of um, positive nostalgia and and just uh, honoring of um, past members, you know, and in the gifts that they gave and how long they lasted, even after they left, long after they left, uh, you know, that those things, those are the gifts that kept giving and are still giving, and and I'm I'm humbled by your efforts, your your talents, and also. Um, at our ability to continue this work. Yeah. I, th- I think it's incredible to mark uh, things like this. Like when I said earlier, are you a band? And you think about like, nobody, nobody made you do this. You know, there was no, mm. there was no, um, there was no plunger at the back of the, you know, syringe, like shoving the pressure down through you. The creativity, what an image, <laughs> the, the creativity that you guys generated, and then, and then, you know, pumped into the, the I'm going to keep going with it, pumped into the, the, the cultural vein of this community uh, and certainly this region. Um, that nobody, nobody made you do that and and yet you kind of got out and did it because because like you were saying there was the fulfillment inside of it and i and i i applaud that in so many ways because the, the you know certainly the the 90s was a time when when you could have just you know sat back and not done that um so I, I i to have this kind of legacy this opportunity to look back and say there was a this moment of a creation of a thing to hang your hat on and say it's not like oh well i was part of a website back in 03 you know it's like there's <laughs> there's a real there's a real marker to to for you guys to celebrate and I, it's really it you know it makes me excited that you have that thank you and you know and it's interesting as i'm sitting thinking it's thinking it's a great question and um Often we would say, you know, box sales is bigger than us, but that, th- there's some cliche about that. But I, I want to, what I really want to say, maybe this is cliche too, but it really feels like it, it was, it, it was like giving a birth to something, mm. and that you couldn't put back. You could, and you, and you couldn't, you couldn't put back, and yeah. you didn't want it to die, right? Mm. You know, and it, it just, it, it has a force that goes, you know, and it's, it's, it, it got created. It's like, how could you? let this go mm-hmm. 
you know, and so you want to take care of it. Um, you have a vested interest in an idea, which is a, is a is a magical thing to think. <laughs> not magical, but you know, it's it's not tangible. It's not you know, there are physical attributes to it, obviously, uh, throughout the years, records and residue and so forth. But um, it's it's a it's an amazing thing to come up with an idea, work on it, fight over it, mm-hmm. you know, debate about it, argue it, bleed for it, stay up way too many nights in a row, um, and then like walk away from Were it. Were you there? Oh, no, <laughs> Hold on, full story. I'm just. I mean, in order that's the that other was show. a little weird. Yeah, in <laughs> order that was like being stalked or something. Yeah. In order for it to be good, it had to have all those things. It had yeah. to have. Yeah. It couldn't. Thank you. It couldn't be instant. It couldn't be. Uh, easy. Mm. It just can't be easy. That's it, all coming out in the book. Oh, good. Really? No. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, we'll talk off air about yeah. that. We're talking about doing some publications of, of various, <laughs> various different ideas. But I, I, you know, I as we as we near the end of our hour together, uh, I really am excited to have had the opportunity to have all five of you in the same room uh, talking about this thing that you guys did. I hope that what came across was is that while you had skills and training, it really just took stumbling upon a moving kelp bed on the beach and being willing to say yes to something, mm. being willing to try mm. something, being willing to do something that you didn't already know how to do, that you didn't have, uh, you know, there's no internet to look it up and say, oh, this is how you build, right, right. you know, a legacy or friendship or, a, or you know, an important thing for a seventh grader that could have changed everything yeah could have you know steered them in a totally different direction what what final thoughts what else do you need to get permanently on the record well i just want to say thank you to these guys who for also inspiring me but um if you had asked me when we started box tales that i would be comfortable telling a story on my own that i've become a storyteller on my own um it wouldn't have been possible without the influence of of the gentleman at this table and, and uh particularly michael katz uh and giving me the confidence you know like I, when i when i joked that it was grad school kind of was you know i didn't officially go to a graduate school um except to get my teaching credential in, in english but it really was that moment of like oh i think I, I can try this i think i can do this and i've been telling stories just locally and you know camps and schools or whatever and it's been uh, a gift that i can still kind of keep my toe kind of in the water in the creative water even though i'm a full-time teacher and, and you know parent and all that stuff going on it's been nice to um, when people ask me what I do, I'm like, oh, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. It happens to teach. It's got to feel good. Mm-hmm. I got one. Yeah. If I had a parting thought, it would be to wish everyone luck with looking at the story, looking for the story behind the story. Mm. Every time you're presented with a story, look for the story behind the story. And in your own life, look for the story behind the story. That's my motto. Mm-hmm. That's my gift. I would say just uh, keep saying yes to the opportunities in life that they bring you because sometimes they're magical, like this group of gentlemen and what we created um, can happen. So you got to say yes. you got to be open to those possibilities. Yeah. I'll piggyback on that. And, and one thing that uh, uh, the Boxtails experience uh really allowed me to practice and taught me is this idea of transformation and being willing and saying yes like you're saying to transforming and to being transformative and to transforming a space transforming someone's 
uh, perception of something, mm. transforming someone, our, our own first, and then someone else's point of view. So this, this idea that change is possible is uh, what I hold central to my work and my mission in life, which I've really uh, uh, learned going with uh, these guys on many, many trips in the van. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Katz, your closing arguments? Closing argument. Uh, you know, maybe piggybacking off of what Michael Andrews said, or in that vein, um, uh, or uh, l- learn to drop the stories that limit you. Mm. Um, yeah. Find <laughs> those stories that inspire. Um, and uh, create uh, create beauty. It is it has been my great honor. You can locate Bocktails Theater Company at Bocktails dot o r g dot o r g. B o x t a l e s s on the end of it. Um, it is an active company full of uh, Im- imagination and inspiration. And uh, you, if you haven't experienced it before, bring it into your life uh, and let it change you. Uh, I have been Patrick Melroy. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Thank you for downloading this. Uh, go back through our back catalog. There's lots of interesting voices and minds uh, that we have brought into this room and uh, until next time uh, thank you so much